So just just thinking about when Pastor Lynn asked me to speak tonight, I just thought, oh God, there's so much I want to say. And, and I thought, you know, am I ready to say what God downloaded to me when I was in Gateway? And, you know, it's still a process. And, and I just thought, oh, I don't know, because it makes yourself so vulnerable. And anyway, so um, this afternoon, you'll be pleased to know I've gone from nine pages down to four and the font is 18. So we're good. We're good. So don't be too scared. <laughs> He's refining as we go, you know. But anyway, I just, I just, Doug, where is, oh, Doug's gone. But what a fantastic testimony. Why would we not want to serve a God who's so generous and so faithful, you know? Tell me where else that happens. I don't know. But, you know, what I want to say is when I went to Gateway, it was two and a half weeks ago, and, you know, I really prayed before I went. I thought, God, don't just let this be a trip. You, you get it stamped in your passport and been there, done that, got the T-shirt. That's not what I want because I knew that many people had invested themselves into my life financially. Um, you know, there was the rest of the music team that had to carry the weight here financially. Even before I went, I got blessed with different things. And, and I just said, God, when I'm over there, I want the church to be a part of where I'm going. And because I knew, you know, for 18 months I'd wanted to be at this place because back in 2004 there was only 100 people in this church. And, you know, now we're 2012 going to 2013, there's 24,000 people. So something that they're doing over there is right. And I want to find out what that is. And, and the music that's coming out of there is for this time and this for this season. And, you know, there's song after song. And I was thinking, God, what is it that inspires them? What is it that gets the seed inside? of them that makes them so happy and joyful and what is it there that makes them get these songs out and has the results that they do I want to find out what it is and I mean I said it before but you remember Melva Beecham that came here for the women's conference and I believe that everything was divinely set up and you know I talked with her and she said that she'd originally I think come from Dallas or Texas and knowing that Texas is a really big place and I said I really want to go to conference over there gateway and she said I know the senior pastor there Robert Morris and I was like oh hello the world is very small in the Christian circles and, she, and, you know, when it came time to me thinking about going and where I was going to stay, the cost of staying over there, because South Lake, where the church is, is, is really quite wealthy. And so you have the, the Regent, the Hilton, the Marriott and all that sort of stuff, not your common little, you know, two-star little motel unit. And so it was going to be at $170, $180 a night to stay there. And I thought, oh, that's so much for the church to carry at this time. And anyway, Melba set it up, and I ended up staying with a lady called Jeannie, who was the PA, well, the secretary to the senior worship pastor. And, you know, they were so, she'd shared with them that this little Kiwi was coming over and, and all that. And they were so excited about me coming. It wasn't about them. And in their time of this big conference where so many people were coming, they were interested in the little Kiwi that was coming all the way over. And they love our accents, by the way. So if you go over there, you're so in, you know. <laughs> they would actually get you to stop and they'll say, yeah, hang on a minute, and they'll go away and get their friends and go, now talk again, you know. And it's like, I'm not the one with the accent. I'm really not, you know. But it's like, all right then, you know. <laughs> it's because 
it's all about me. No, it's not. But, um, you know, it was divinely set up and I managed to spend some time with these these top world-class senior worship leaders. And I thought, what is it that I can get from them? What is it? What is it? But, you know, they didn't tell me about themselves. What they did was they wanted to know about me. And they were so humble. And just talking with them, the thing that got me the most was it was their holiness and their morality. I think that was the thing that got me, is that everything that they taught, everything that they were preaching, and the results followed. And it was like to them, the holiness and morality was the biggest thing. And they built their church on generosity. Pastor Robert Morris, that was the thing that he did. And he's now got to the place with his church that he's just about at, with all the tithes and the giving that coming from the church, He's, going to, he's living, there's a staff of 400 and they're just about living on the 10% and giving away the 90%. Now, to me, that is so exciting. Now, that is just local missions, that's overseas missions, that's everything. And the more that they do that, the more that God blesses. And so whenever I hear that someone is financially blessed because of what they've signed and what they believe for, and it's, you know, you remember that, I don't know what that film was, is it Pass It On or Carry It On or something? What is it? pay it forward you know we've got to pay it forward you know if something happens to us we give it out and we do it again and we multiply it multiply it let's be a church let's be a people of generosity let's show the world out there because the mindset of a lot of people and I'm going off my notes here is that the church takes and we don't give out we take 10% you have to give out 10 up 10% of your your money and all this sort of stuff but actually we're a generous church here and I know that Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy and, and all the oversight in our church here we are a generous church and, you know so we should expect the blessing of God to come in and that's what I liked upon their lives but anyway, when, when Pastor asked me to speak, I had another message and God just kept saying to me, no, what I want you to do is what, I want you to talk about what God spoke to you over there. And so for me, it was like, what are some of the things in my life that is old nature? I kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable with that. What is it in my life that I'm still living that's old nature that I actually need to retire and I'm just going to give you a moment to, to contemplate that because I'm sure I'm not the only one here. Don't make me feel uncomfortable. And it's, and it's understanding what is it to be a priest. Now, they, talk, they spoke a little bit about priests over there, and I know that we've had some great teaching here of what it is when we're called by name to be priests. But I actually didn't have the revelation of that so much for myself until I was over there because I actually saw it in action. And that's the thing. It's not just by name only that we're called as priests. It's in our actions and what we do. And so I thought, okay, me being me, the little bit of a skeptic, so what is the cost of being a priest? I mean, let's get it all out on the table. You're called to be a priest. Let's weigh it up here. What does it cost me to be a priest what are the rewards what's the responsibility and in that I'm sure there's going to be a calling from me to restake things in my life and in, and in the teams that I take so I can't, once I've contemplated that and what that means I can't stay at the place that I was I've got to take it out and I've got to restake it which means lifting the bar and it's actually coming up to what I'm called to be and I am totally convinced, and tell me if I'm wrong, that God 
doesn't want us to be satisfied with the status quo. Who's satisfied with the status quo? Who wants to move on? Six months' time, who wants to be shifted from this place? Come on. All right, there's a few of us, okay. (laughs) He has created us for relationship. He's created us for action, for glory, for victory, for power, for himself. And to me, they're all exciting with they're doing words. They're not not doing words. What's the word? Not a noun, a a verb. What's the doing? Adjective. That's it. What it is, it's not a staying still doing nothing. But in order for us to enjoy the fullness of this amazing relationship with God, there are things that we have to be constantly working at and guarding ourselves. And the Lord was saying to me, Suze, you've got to guard yourself. You've got to guard your heart. You know, you're going to come and you're going to meet people. There are going to be situations that have come. And I know that I've talked to other people because situations in my life about red herrings. Now, who knows what red herrings, the terminology red herrings is. And what it is, it's something that can come across your path, especially when you're pressing into something and it seems really, really good. And it seems that it could be the right thing to do. But a red herring is actually something that will come and take you off off path and off track and be like a decoy in what God calls you to be. And so that was the thing that I did. You know, I, I get, I'm quite, I love the outdoors, I love this and I love that, and I look at all these things and I go, woohoo, I could do that and I could do that and I got that. And it's just like God's just saying, settle, Gretel. You know, you're called here. You know, don't, don't go too far ahead of yourself. But some of these things seemed really, really right. But what another thing is addressing issues in our lives. Now, not all of us like addressing issues in our lives or making ourselves accountable to somebody because it's painful. And it means that we have to own up to a few things. And it means that we would probably have to change our ways. And sometimes we really don't want to do that. And it's the way that we conduct ourselves. And the reason why I'm going down this track is because it all lines up with what we've called to be, and that is priests. You know, it says in the Word of God, we are called to be priests, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And I thought, okay, what does that mean? I mean, have you ever wondered what that means, really means? Or do you think it's for the person beside you or for the church down the road or for the real spiritual ones up there? You know, and how does that affect me? It sounds so huge, so royal, but what it does to me, the word priest came, the word that came alongside that was influential. You know, when we're a priest, which we are, we are influential. And so people are looking at us. We influence the lives of other people. And you know what? Not only in the church, but more importantly, outside the church. And so when we've been called, we've been set about apart, called to be priests. You know, and how are we really going to show friends, family, and community that there really is a truly a God worth following, worthy of devotion, deserving of our adoration in our lives, if our lives are no different to the unsaved? And I looked at them, please hear me, I'm talking to myself. This is the download I got for me. I'm not, I'm not teaching you, telling you, and I'm different. No, no, this is for me, and I'm just sharing it with you because I think it's all relevant. But, you know, how am I going to change the lives of others and be influential if my life is no different to theirs? You know, many times I've heard, and we've heard it, is that people actually don't have a problem with Jesus. They actually have a problem with Christians, and that's Jesus' priests. And that's who we are. 
And so we've got to actually start taking a little bit of ownership in that because it's the way that we conduct ourselves, it's our attitude and what we do outside the four walls of the church that actually really count. You know, and to me that was quite an eye-opener is that am I drawing people to Christ or they look at me and thinking, well, I really don't have much to offer with this God that I serve than they do without him. A priest first and foremost ministers to God. And that was the difference between David and Saul. And I'm sorry, I don't actually have many scriptures, so that probably marks me. But but what I do have is, I'm just paraphrasing here, is, is that, you know, the difference between David and Saul is David ministered to the heart of God. And Saul, he ministered to the heart of man. So that means that David was more concerned with what God thought about everything. And Saul was more concerned about what people thought. And so so we've got to ask, what are we more concerned about? Are we more concerned about what our friends think? Are we more concerned about what our workmates think of us, um, our family? Or are we more concerned about what the Lord thinks? And I thought, hmm, because it's really hard, you know, because we do get caught up in that thing, that whole peer pressure thing. You know, especially being younger ones and in school. You know, as a priesthood, as a church goes, the culture goes, morality determines the culture we live in. And the level of morality in the church determines the level of anointing. So we've got to take ownership in that because everybody brings a little bit into the church. And that's what brings it into a corporate, corporateness. And so if we are compromising our standard of living, out there, that's what we're bringing into the church, and we are called, and we we may we are worship. We don't do worship; we are worship, and so everything that we do is worship unto the Lord, and that is our sacrifice. And so when we're out out there, perhaps doing what we do, getting drunk on a Friday, but then coming into church or serving church on a Sunday, on the Friday, that is what you offered up to the Lord. And what do you think the Lord thinks about that? That is a sacrifice you're making up unto the Lord. Well, you only need to look in the Old Testament to see what God does with unholy sacrifices. But you see, it's not, it's not about the drunk thing. It's even gossip. It's slander. It's, it's not. It, it's, we think a big sin, you know, like, um, I don't know, sleeping with somebody, you know, you're married, all that sort of stuff. But it's actually, it's a heart thing. And it can come down to gossiping. It can tell little white lies. It's all those things. And the thing that the Lord said to me is that we are called to lead people into transformation. But how can we do this if our lifestyle is not one that offers, that, that honors the Lord? To me, that was a really big I am I'm one that is called to lead somebody into transformation. You know, to meet the Lord and their lives be transformed. And now looking at my life, and I thought, does my life show something or do do they see the God in me that they'd want to turn from their ways and be transformed? I don't know. I hope so. You know, maybe there's some things in our lives or what we're doing that we do need to retire. And I'll tell you what mine was. Mine is words. Okay, so I have this one word that I've made up to say another word. 
because to say the real word's really not that good. <laughs> so I substituted it. But this one word that I really wanted to say just says it all. It feels so good to say because it's universal and it's generational and everybody understood it. It didn't matter which way you said it. Everybody got it just like that. And so I thought, well, I can't be going around saying that, so I made up this word. But it was, nobody would probably understand it, but to me, I knew exactly what I was saying. And God said to me, Susie, you need to retire that word. You need to retire some words out of your speech and put them in a box and put them away because they're of the old. And what I want to ask you, are there things in your life that you need to retire? They're of the old. Okay, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. Because those things of the old, the old nature, are not the transformed person that we are in Christ. We've got to leave them behind. And there's going to be a severing. And sometimes that can be quite hard and it can be quite painful. But that's what we're called to do is put away the old. And for me it was words. I didn't think I was hurting anybody. But if somebody was to catch me saying that, is my life any different from theirs? I don't know. For many reasons, firstly, we need to retire these things because we were created to worship the Lord. And these things are dishonoring to him. And secondly, what influence is having on our friends and our family and our unsaved ones? You know, we can come here and we can come to the corporate prayer meeting and we can pray for our family and friends. We can believe, we can put their names on the cross and all that. But if what our lives are dictating something else, that's what they're going to look at first. That's what they're going to look at first. Because what I want to ask is, do they see you who calls yourself a Christian but actually your life is not much different from theirs. Could it be on Sundays you come to church and you serve in church, but then Monday to Saturday it's your attitude, your language, maybe drinking too much, being with your friends, crossing that line. We all know, actually, for those of us, and I'll put my hands up here too when I was younger, we all know where that line is. We all know where, when it is and, we, and whether we choose to cross it or not. You know? Pastor Mike often talks about, you know, when you go to parties, actually there's nothing wrong with going parties, things like that. But you will know at a specific time, that's usually before 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, go home because that's when it starts to take a bend and things start to get nasty and things like that. People, you know, you'll go there and have a good time. I mean, Jesus went to things, he hung out with the sinners, but he also knew when to call it in as well. The other thing, as a church... Do we have things going on in the church which are messing people up? Are we afraid to offend that they may leave because we won't address them? And you know what? By not addressing things in the church or not going to a friend in the church and saying, hey, buddy, I'm really concerned about you doing this, you know, and letting them carry on, we're actually doing them a disservice. We're not loving them. And we're not loving the people on the outside recognizing what's happening in the church by not addressing these things. You know, some things are absolutely a matter of principle. And, you know, I've found that when I don't personally deal with issues, that God stops talking to me. And that's a scary thing. If I choose not to address things in my life and God's on my case, he'll stop talking to me. And then I can think, well, where are you, God? You know? But actually, I've chosen to remove myself and not talk about the things that he wants to talk about. And if I'm not listening, why would he talk? 
He still loves me. He hasn't gone anywhere, but he's keeping just a little bit quiet. You know, either as a church and priest, we emphasize the truth of the word or we don't. Either we value the presence and the power of God or we don't. Either we honor Jesus as the Son of God who died for our sins or we don't. And for us who are called by name as priests, these are absolutes. They're absolutes. You know, we cannot neglect them and hope to prosper. I love what it said. Um, Zach Neese, who's one of the uh, main worship pastors over there, he said, we must submit our culture to the culture of word, of the word, the kingdom culture. We cannot expect the kingdom culture to submit to our fallen culture and then expect to have breakthrough. So we can't be carrying on and doing our simple things and compromising and all that and still expect to have um, breakthrough in our lives because what we're trying to do is manipulate God to come down to where we are and work in that and breakthroughs. Instead, what we need to do is get our lives right and come up to the kingdom of God for the breakthroughs. You know, if we as priests in this house don't rise up, how are we going to walk a different road from others? It is our responsibility as leaders and as priests to teach and lead by example. We need to lead this nation to Christ. And I believe we've had prophecy after prophecy from people that have come into this place that Hawke's Bay, this place, this house right here is a shining light. And what I also want to say is is that, you know, we're walking through some stuff at the moment and it's hard and we can look around and think, gosh, there's some people that haven't come to church for a while and things are hard, the worship's a little bit hard, you know, hard to break through. But I want to tell you, I've gone out of the place and Ian may, may say the same, is that, you know, you go out and there seems to be more of an open atmosphere and you come back and you can actually physically feel the apathy that's in this place. And, you know, we don't realize how much that we're fighting in the spirit here. But I want to tell you, we are warriors and we are fighters. And if we can do this here, we can do it anywhere. And the harder the ground to break here through here is the bigger the breakthrough. Okay? And every one of us are fighters and warriors. We just need to keep that stand and not give up. Because I truly believe that a prophecy that's come up, it's going to come to fruition. We are going to be that light on the little, the hill here. You know, there was an analogy a guy made over there and it really, really impacted me. And it's about having labels, but not the action. And it's a true story. And it goes like this. There was a man and a wife and they were celebrating their um, wedding anniversary. They'd been married for about 30 years. And they'd gone out and they'd dressed up nicely. They were really excited about going out for dinner. And they got in the car, they had a beautiful dinner, they, they, he gave her a beautiful ring and he said, I love you more today than what I did when I first married you. They got in the car and they were going down a country road and they took a corner and he missed the corner and he slid and he went down the bank. They came to a stop and he came round, um, gained consciousness, but his wife was, was pretty beat up and she was in a really, really bad way. He reached over and he felt her pulse was very, very um, slow. There wasn't much there and she was bleeding. She had quite bad head trauma. What he managed to do was get her out of the car and get her beside the car. And he got out. He wasn't saved. He got out of the car and he ran down the road and happened to see this, um, this gate and it had a sign up. And it had, let me just see. It had Dr. So-and-so, general practitioner, phone, blah, blah, blah. 
and he just thought, that's fantastic, this guy can help me. So he ran all the way up this driveway, covered in blood, he knocked, he banged, he banged on the door, he was yelling and he was screaming. Finally, a guy came out of bed, he opened up the door and, and he said, can you help me? You're a doctor, can you help me? My wife is in a bad way, she's going to die. And the doctor looked at him and said, I'm sorry, I can't. And the guy goes, what are you talking about? Your sign down the road says that you're a general practitioner, phone da-da-da-da-da, that you can help me. And he said, oh, that's been there for a long time. I don't practice anymore. And so the guy was just about beside himself. He's covered in blood and he's destroyed. And he grabbed this doctor. And this is what he said. He said, now you have two choices. Either you go down to your gate and you rip that sign off down now, or you get your bag and you come and help save my wife. But don't you dare stand here knowing that you are advertising something that you are not. Now, for me, that impacted me because it's like, am I advertising something that I'm not? And are people looking at me, and I've got the sign that say I'm Christian, or we've got a sign out that church, people know about who we are, but we're not delivering. It's like we used to be that. And that just, just about cut me in half. It's a pretty traumatic story, but how true is it that we wear the label, we have the sign on ourselves saying we're this, but when it comes to crunch, sorry, we used to be like that, or we can't help you, we can't do that. And I just thought, we really need to take a look at ourselves individually and as a church and just see what's going on here and what is it that would stop bringing our family and our friends, our work people to Christ. Because it is Jesus inside of us. It is Jesus inside of us. And you know, probably so guess the, what my message is all about is it's not by name only. You can't be called a Christian by name only. It's by actions and it's what you do. That's what counts. So that is what God's been sharing to me about. And I know that he's downloading more and more. And I don't for one moment stand here and say, I've got it all together, because I don't. And I know that there's going to be a process and God's going to keep bringing things up in my life and me addressing. And it's not about being perfect, but what it is is about having a heart surrendered to the Lord. And I want to be like David, that first and foremost, I minister to the Lord. I don't want to be a man pleaser. Because you know what? Then you start to lose your identity because your identity is found in Christ, not in man. Because friends will come and go. And if you're relying on friends to tell you and affirm you for who you are, that's great. But if that's what you're relying on, you know, you're going to be battered around a bit. You're not going to actually know who you are. And so when a push comes to shove and people say, who are you? And you say, I'm a Christian. It's in your actions and what you do. So what I want to know is, that's, that's basically about it, but what, what I want to know is, are there things in your life that God's saying, you know what, it's time to retire? And God is not a God that will condemn. God is a God that convicts, and it's with a loving conviction. So is there something in your life that you know, you say, you know what, God, I've been hanging on to this for quite a while, but it's time that I retired it. I want to I know what it's like to walk in the fullness and get closer and closer to you. I don't want to be one of those people that have got a label Christian. And yet I actually turn my friends, my family off because my life is actually no different. Or there might be people here 
that you've actually been very badly hurt by people who have been Christians or over in authority and they've done some things. And for me, that was something I had to deal with because there was some, there's, you know, somebody that I knew ages ago who's a Christian. And because of what they did and the way they conducted themselves, actually had a huge impact on my life and not for the best either. And it was something that I had to walk through the forgiveness for. You know, Christians aren't perfect. They're really not. But it's about your heart attitude. And it's about surrendering to the Lord. So I'm going to ask the team to come up now, the music team. What I want us to do is, I just wondered if we can do that song, Redeemed. Would that be all right? And if, please. And I'm just going to ask if you all come to the front. You may not have anything. That's quite okay. But would you come and join me in worship? Because, you know, we are worship. We just don't do worship. And let's come and surrender our hearts and our hands to the Lord today. And just say, God, I've heard the message. But you know what? I just want to know you more. I just want a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. So I don't know if we can have the lights down a little bit. That might be pushing it. I don't know. And let's just really just lift up our hands. Let this be a new day. Let today be one that restakes, you know, takes out that old stake and where we've been before and we grab it and we restake it and think, this is where I'm aiming at, God. This is where I want to be. I take up the challenge of what you're saying to me. I take up the challenge where you say, Lord, you know what? You're talking to me about this. I can do this. I can let this go. I can surrender this because it's not of you. And I want to be more like you. I want you to flow in me so much that when people look at me, they see my actions before they see my words. Because it's in the actions. It's in the actions. So why don't we just lift up our hands and let's just worship Him today.